You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. TechFan Podcast number 457. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. How are you today? I'm really good. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Enjoy Father's Day. Well, I mean, I just woke up a few hours ago, so there's not a whole lot to enjoy about it yet. But yeah, sure. You're looking forward to it. As I, as I said to my brothers this morning, I said, I said, happy new socks and coffee mug day. That's kind of it, you know. I was watching <laughs> a, a TikTok thing. Yeah. And this uh, guy was ranting about how crappy Father's Day is. He goes, try to get a restaurant on Mother's Day. You can't go to a restaurant. They're all booked up. Yeah. Get, get, a, uh, get a Father's Day restaurant. You just walk right in. No problem. Uh, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, but that's because a lot of guys don't want to go out. <laughs> the problem is on Father's Day, right? Is that, you know, depending on your family dynamics, if you take the whole family out on Father's Day, right, you're paying for that. Yeah. So well, you might I, as well I, stay at home. I, don't, I think it's more than that, though. I think it's. No. It's just not that big of a deal to apathy. fathers. It's man, man apathy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's. Yeah. I agree so, with that. We, we don't want to make a big deal. No. <laughs> So, I mean, I, we we I, like I the acknowledgement, but we don't, you know. Anyways, yeah, yeah, we don't want to make a, as big a fuss about it. I, no. I went over for breakfast with my mother this morning, uh, and uh, the kids got me a wireless charging mouse mat for my for my home computer at home, which is nice. That's yeah. quite a thoughtful gift for me. Uh, you put your phone down while you're using your mouse and it charges, which is a good idea. And um, I got the Evercade from Leanne, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, so I'm looking forward to playing with that later. So uh, I'm pretty happy. I did not get new socks or a coffee mug, so. Uh, I don't need socks or coffee mugs either, so, yeah, who knows what. Even the dog agrees. Yes. Well, my kids have been camping all week long, so I don't don't think they've even gone to the store. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. No, you're getting crafts. We, you're uh, getting a rock with a face painted on it. Well, yeah, the <laughs> thing is, when we guys want something, we just go buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've got connection issues today. I think I think us both being on 4G is, is a, a weak solution. Yeah. Well, if I... I was on Wi-Fi earlier. Should we, and should we, Go ahead. Should we, both, should we both switch to Wi-Fi? Yeah, we could do, do that. you think? You think we could do that and not lose the connection? Well, there's only one way to find out, isn't there? Well, I'm, I'm swiping down and turning on Wi-Fi now, so I am now on Wi-Fi. And I've just done the same. And so am well, I. And here well, we still are. Yeah, it worked. Well, I mean, we connected to the Wi-Fi doesn't necessarily mean their connection is going to get better. It doesn't, but, you know, I, I often think that networking, particularly wireless networking, is kind of like magic nowadays. And, and I think that just proves it's magic, the fact that you can have an ongoing live audio call and you can switch from one connection to another. IP addresses change and everything. And it just goes, oh, yeah, let's keep yeah, going. Let's keep going. Although there was a news report that came out yesterday, yesterday being Friday or uh, Saturday, June 19th, that if you join on an iPhone, if you join a Wi-Fi network, 
with all these weird characters, it will literally brick the Wi-Fi on your iPhone forever. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess the only solution is a, uh, well, a, a, a nuke and pave with your iPhone. That's the only way you're going to get it back. Well, all right. So even so, it's it's not corrupting the modem completely. You would have to do a complete reinstall. Correct. Yeah. Which is okay. kind of. Which you'd have to do over a cable because you can't do that install that complete nuke and install over the network because your Wi-Fi is broken. Yeah, and I don't think you could do it via 4G or 5G. Yeah. Because it's going to be like, oh, to install this, you got to be connected to a Wi-Fi network. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Mm, interesting. I, I didn't see that report, but... Um, I saw it on 9 to 5 Mac, and uh, um, I saw yeah. it I saw it listed sketchy. on some Twitter stuff, too. Nope. It was a researcher who did it. And right. They even put right in the description what the name of the network was, and I was like, oh, well, that's, that's... Thank you. <laughs> that's... That's awesome, guys. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, that's responsible <clears throat> reporting that. Yeah, you're not going to get a 13-year-old going, oh, I'm going to try that, and then bricks their iPhone, and then their parents are ticked. But anyways, uh, anything new in the tech world on your end? Loads. Uh-oh. Loads. So, um, yeah, I've got a whole pile of stuff here in the notes, and I don't know whether we'll get to all of it today, and I don't know how much of it is worth talking about, but... Um, you may recall that on the, I think it was the last Tech Fan Show we did, because uh, we've missed a couple of weeks, I was going to spend some time using Android uh, as on my a, daily driver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I did that, and uh, it was it was an interesting experiment. Not What's interesting about it is not the technology, which was absolutely fine. I, I, in fact, I'm going to say, I'm not, I'm not going to talk very much about Android. I know that was the whole point of doing the thing was to try android but you know what android i was using android 10 android nowadays is pretty good it's it's kind of like the windows of the mobile world in that um it does most things as adequately well as the iphone does it does a lot of them differently um i it's difficult nowadays to say whether it does those things worse or better it just does them differently obviously being good uh, android is a lot more flexible there's a lot more options you have it can be a bit confusing Every now and again, you hit a weird bug that, just like a Windows machine, you might have to dive into some Google Google things and then do something odd to your um, to your phone to get it working properly. I had a problem with mine where my podcast app was very quiet, even when I send the volume up all the way. Um, it just wasn't uh, turning it up. Yeah, it was turning it up, but even at maximum volume, it wasn't very loud. Um, was it so, all shows or just particular shows? Everything. Everything. It was That's all the audio weird. output. It was all the audio output from the phone, basically. And I searched for that, and I found that there was some obscure developer option you'd go and turn into, turn on in Android, and that resolved the problem. So that's obviously a bug. Um, the The difference is if if you encountered that sort of bug on uh, i on on an iPhone, first of all, you won't be able to fix it. <laughs> you just have to live with it until Apple updated it. But the difference is that Apple will probably fix that relatively quickly. Whereas with Google, I think a lot of these things can hang around for a longer time. But in general, you know what? If if um, Apple went out of business tomorrow and I had to start using an Android phone, it'd be different. It wouldn't be impossible. Parts of it would annoy me, but most of it would be fine. Yeah. And actually, parts of Android, used, some of the announcements that were made at WWDC a couple of weeks ago, are definitely inspired by stuff I've seen on Android. All the widget stuff. Um, the way they're starting to handle multitasking now on the iPad 
is inspired by stuff I've seen on uh, with dual screen support on Android. So um, you know, it's it's fine. I I think in in the bad old days, you know, back when iOS was relatively new, uh, I I think Android was a worse experience. I think nowadays they're pretty much on a par. So from that point of view, it was it was you know perfectly fine. And as I said, if I had to live with Android tomorrow, um, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't really miss a beat. Yeah. But what I did find interesting was the device I was using Android on, which was I took the opportunity to do something, address a complaint that you've made many times on this show, which is which is that um, phones are all the same; they're yep. just flat slabs of glass, and there's yep. no innovation. Correct. So I thought I would try an innovative phone. So I picked up, used a um, 2019 Motorola Razr Android phone. That's a flip phone where it's, you know, that foldable screen. The but foldable it's, screen. It's yeah. a vertical folder, not horizontal. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, you know, I thought about the, the uh, horizontal folding one, but, you know, I thought, as we've you and I have said before, don't really see the point of those. But the point... With a certainly with a, a smartphone of, of the razor is that when you flip it, um, it becomes half the size and it makes a big difference putting it in your pocket. Yeah, um, I don't have the you know, even with my iPhone 12 Pro, not the Max, just the iPhone 12 Pro, I don't have a problem putting it in my pocket most of the time. Now, I say yeah. most of the time because there are some times that I've got multiple things in my pocket, and having a smaller phone would definitely be a benefit. Yeah, and also there's the thing as well where if you have your phone in your pocket, um, there is an outside chance because it's a big slab of glass that if something hits your pocket, it could smash the screen. I know it's not it's not, it's not a huge problem, but it, there is a there is a potential there. But the th- I'll tell you what, there is something nice about putting a smaller phone into your pocket. Um, one of the things I liked about the Razer is that it's pretty it's pretty sturdy. It's very heavy, heavier than you might think. But actually, for a device that folds down to something half the size of a regular smartphone, that's actually quite nice. It has some heft to it. Now, it I it remember, and I coveted uh, uh, the original Razer massively when it first came out. I mean, yeah. I wanted the Motorola Razer, and I almost bought one about three months before uh, Macworld Expo t- 2007. So towards the end of 2006, I almost bought one. And, of course, at that point, there was a lot of rumors going around about Apple's going to release a smartphone. So I held off and kept using the little crappy Motorola thing that I had. Although the Razer is a Motorola, but you know what I mean. It was, I don't I do. even know if it was a Motorola. It was it was some cheap flip phone that worked fine, made good phone calls, but that's about all it did. I even experimented with the camera, which was awful. Um, but... <laughs> Just the fit and finish of it, the way it kind of had that curve on the the chin of it, where the phone would fold closed, and yeah, I, I, I it was just extremely sexy. And I look at the pictures of the 2019 version, and it just doesn't have that sex appeal as the old one did. It looks wider. Well, yeah, I, I, it is wider. It's not as small, but um, it, it really is as small as it as it has to be. Uh, sorry, as wide as it has to be to make sense with Android. Um, so, so from that point of view, it's it you know it's a compromise. But actually, the thing is, compare it to uh, compare it to my iPhone 11. Um, the screen is not quite as big, but it's nearly as big. Um, what about 
how it looks as far as the screen when it's open it, and Android is running. Yeah, it it looks excellent. I think it's really really nice actually. For a start, visually, unless you catch it in the light, so you can see that there's some um, bumps from the from the supporting underneath. Um, it looks Where the fold it, is. Yeah, well, well, not the fold. Actually, the fold is one of the areas you can't really see because in the razor, what happens is that as you t- as you fold it. So the screen effectively is a, is a OLED plastic. Right. Yeah. So it's it's like a thin film. So as you fold the phone, it has like a, a U-shaped hinge mechanism. It's very clever. There's all sorts of cogs and stuff going in there. And what happens is the whole screen kind of moves down a little bit underneath the chin at the bottom. Uh, and then as you close it, the um, screen is not bent as much as you might think it is. It kind of is bent into like a U. So it's not. It's it's actually. Um, imagine if you took a piece of paper and no, you I held, get the, I get it, I get it. Yeah, yeah. You held the, you held, you held the edges together. You would have kind of a, a U. It's only if you, if you kind of put your fingers across it that you get a crease. Right. So because of that, there is no crease in the screen, um, but underneath the screen, because it's plastic, um, there is all sorts of mechanisms underneath to basically keep the screen flat and supported. Uh, and you can see those if you look along the light. Uh, and you can feel them a little bit. There's a little bit of up and down if you, as you move your finger up and down the screen. But it's in no way kind of objectionable. You know, it's different than a glass screen. But um, right. the, the actual feel of the plastic is f- pretty good. And it, the plastic also seems pretty sturdy in that I don't think the plastic would scratch if, unless you really try to. What about... Uh, you know, just moving your thumb around the screen like you would an iPhone. See, yeah, it, when it's when fine. I touch a crappy phone, I could tell it's crappy just because of my yeah. the way the the screen I, feels. That, that's what I was worried about. That it would feel like kind of one of those old resistive screens that you used to get on 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 uh, old devices. It doesn't really feel like that at all, um, and it's very responsive. Um, yeah, I I really didn't have a problem with the screen at all. It's fine. It's nice. It's sharp. It's bright. Um, you know, it fills it fills the whole kind of display. There's no there's no real um, the the edges on it are uh, are they kind of the you know the this thing that everybody goes on about is the uh, is the bezels on the side. Right. Uh, it goes right up to the top. The bezels um, are only where the screen is is not and the and the phone begins and it needs that for support. It feels really good in the hand, to be honest feels really solid the size and the shape and everything is is just about right there's a big fingerprint center on the bottom on this on this one that's really accurate um and importantly as well because obviously you know um with the screen being when it's folded you can't see the screen because it's behind uh, a thing there's a small screen on the front of the phone in in the uh in the kind of the you know when it's in the compact mode Right. That's also pretty nice, and that does all your notifications. It allows you to make calls from there, um, and uh, and access the camera as well. You can get access to the camera without holding the, opening the phone, and that that's kind of cool. Pre- yeah, it's pretty well done actually, because they've have thought, you know, oh, you don't want to be opening the thing all the time. Um, now, do you think that there's a place for a phone like this today? This is, you uh, know, yeah, obviously uh, a couple years old. This this is what I'd say to you. I think this is this sort of technology is the future. I think it's only a matter of time before all phones start doing this, just because you can do so much more with the um, form factor when you have a screen like this in play. Now, the reason I, I was interested in this is, and the, and there's two reasons I bought an old one. 
first of all is I didn't want to spend too much money and I would not spend what the list prices of these things are today. You go and buy, um, they, they have an, uh, they've updated the, the razor that, so it has 5g now. Um, and yeah, that's over a thousand pounds. Uh, and the equivalent Samsung, which is the galaxy Z flip is also over a thousand pounds. These phones are not worth a thousand pounds. I would not go out unless I really, really wanted the form factor. I would not go out and buy a new one today because that's too much money compared to what else you can get in the market for a thousand pounds. But for less than half of that, for a two year old one, this is a bit of a bargain because it's really nice. It's innovative. Um, obviously, as, a, as an expensive phone, they're not exactly top end specs, but they're also not too shabby either. What about uh, upgradability of Android on it? Uh, this this went from nine to ten during its lifetime. So I, I think if you're on Android ten, you're you're pretty much okay. You're probably not going to get. A, a, I don't know whether there's rumours that Motorola might put eleven on this. Um, but you know th- that's one of the downsides of Android is that you are dependent on the manufacturer. Well, you are on Apple as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, but the but the manufacturer is pretty good at keeping the older phones fully up to date whereas uh, Android manufacturers are not. Um, So, yeah, if you're looking for, you know, a new phone and you want something a little bit different, I would say spending, you know, a few hundred dollars on one of these is fine. The other reason for getting an old one is to see how the screen holds up after a couple of years. And I tell you, I mean, this unit I bought was, um, I think it was actually marked from the suppliers, the the refurbisher is grade B, but actually I would say this is grade A. I can't see a single mark on it at all um and uh and yeah the screen you would not know that this is a two-year-old phone from the quality of the screen interesting so i like it and you know what i'm going to keep using it i'm going to uh, a couple of things particular to this razor is that you can't you can't put an sd card in it uh and it comes with it comes starts at 128 gig of storage so that's not so much of a problem but you can't put a sim in it either it only uses eSIM. So you have to make sure if you're going to get one that you either get one to an, if it's locked, make sure it's locked to a network that you want to use um, and also make sure that the network you want to use it on can supply you an eSIM to use with it because um, you can't put a regular SIM inside it. So that's a limitation on this particular model um, to bear in mind. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to have this as a, as a spare phone. And you know what? There are going to be times when... Um, you know, when I'm I'm carrying the iPhone around just so I can take calls on that number, but I might be using this for most of my day-by-day messing about on the phone. So, yeah. I well, I've it. got an update on my uh, vehicle. You remember yep. I was having weird problems with, uh, with my Sequoia. Yeah. And uh, did I tell you the latest about it, the alarm going off at night? Uh, no, that's new. Okay. So... Uh, a little over a week ago, two in the morning, oh. my alarm starts going off in my truck. So that's kind of weird. So well, I go outside. Weird, annoying. Annoying. But I'm thinking, you know, there's some meth head probably breaking into my truck or trying to yeah. steal the caliber converter or something. I go outside. It's raining. Yay. I've got a t-shirt, my underwear, and I'm holding a Louisville slugger bat. <laughs> okay and it's just going off there's there's no problem I've, I think I've seen that movie yeah Bull Durham. <laughs> it's Bull Durham. so I go outside nothing's going on I turn off the alarm I turn it back on I go back in the house it goes off again 
Did it go off straight away, or did it wait till uh, you were actually in bed and turn over to go back to sleep? No, it went to it waited till I got back into bed. <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> so I go back outside, and now my neighbor, yeah, who's maybe ten years younger than me, maybe a little bit yeah. more than that. What's going on? He's got his windows open. He's like, "Y'all need some help." Because you can <laughs> which, hear the alarm going off. Which basically is him passively, aggressively saying, are you going to turn that off so I can sleep? <laughs> no, it, it was a concern. He, you could All tell. All right, okay. And was, so, was he worried you were being stabbed? Yeah, well, I, he didn't know what was going on. But right. he sees me in my underwear t-shirt holding the bat again. Yeah. And he goes, I think you got it handled. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to be honest, Tim. Going out the second time, I might have left the bat behind. No, because now I'm thinking someone's just screwing around with me now. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. So I go back out there, and uh, Julie asks afterwards what I, or no, Cole asks afterwards what I've actually hit somebody with the bat. <laughs> I said, buddy, when you wake me up at two in the morning, <laughs> you, yeah, I would probably, I don't want to. There's a difference between I, I'm going to and I want to. Would yeah, I hit someone right. with a bat? Yeah, I would. Well, you won't carry the bat unless you're going to hit somebody with it. <clears throat> that's really. right. Yeah. yeah. The, the difference is, if somebody's coming at you, you're going to hit you hit them in the bat. If they're running away, you're not going to, presumably not going to chase them down the street in the hope of hitting them with the bat. No, I might chase them a little bit just to make sure they're gone for good. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're not going to, some no. people would catch up and deliberately pat no, them on the crowd. No, If If no. someone stood up and squared up on me, that I'm yeah. knocking them exactly, the hell out. Yeah. Yeah, but mm-hmm. anyways, now the alarm will go off, but I can't set it again. And then I notice the lights, the, the headlights don't turn off. And I notice, and the car is not running, by the way. Yeah. The radio is on and the AC is on. Oh, my God. At this point, you see, uh, you see at this point, I'd be, if the radio was playing music from the 50s, I'm right, thinking, right. Christine. Christine. Yeah. So I get in the car, I start it, I turn it off, and all those things stay on. So there's some kind of an electrical issue. I thought maybe it's the aftermarket car starter because that has permission remotely to, you know, turn things yeah. on. That wasn't it. So the only way I could fix it that night was to disconnect the battery. I was going to say, that that would be my next move. Yeah. But remember, it's it's raining. Yeah. It, at this point, it's quarter after two in the morning. I got to work the next day. Yeah. And I'm outside in flip flops, underwear, a t shirt, and now a wrench. So I take it to the place that redid my uh, remote start. Yeah. And they disconnected every accessory in the car, mm-hmm. and the problem didn't go away. So the Ooh. problem was not the remote start or the stereo or the pack. The pack is kind of what you run all the power through to convert from the factory stuff to the aftermarket stuff, including stereo yeah. wheel controls. That's all fine. It's working fine. So the problem's somewhere else. Yep. So I get it into the shop. This was on uh, Thursday. I get it in the shop and... Uh, it this turns a, out... This at work, is it now? At work, yeah, at the dealership. Yeah. It turns out that I have a subwoofer in the car. It's a powered sub that sits in the back. Mm-hmm. There's uh, four wires that go to it, in essence. There's a great big 
thick power cable that goes directly to the battery. And then, of course, left and right, you know, audio input. Yeah. But you can't have the sub hooked up to the battery drawing power 24-7 when the car is off, which is what it would do if you connected directly to the battery. Yeah. So you have to have another wire that goes to the radio, to the sub, that when the radio is powered up, it turns on the sub. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's a kill switch. When you turn off the radio, the sub powers down. Right. That wire somehow shorted out into the entire body of the vehicle and got so hot inside the dash that it partially melted my wiring harness. Not the wiring harness to the radio, the other side of that, the car's wiring harness. So the car runs fine. You know, the Sequoia, you start right up, no problem. Except I don't have um, rear defrost. I don't have uh, the radio. Steering wheel controls obviously don't do anything. The remote start's not working now because it's all disconnected. Um, I do get AC, thank God, because otherwise I couldn't drive it when it's hot. And the wipers work so I can drive it in the rain. But that's about it. And we're looking at about $1,500 to replace that wiring harness and correct the faulty wiring and all that. Wow. Yeah. So it's bad news. Mm. And it's yeah. not like you just unplug the wiring harness and plug a new one in. Well, no, that's a big job. That's presumably it's, why it costs $1,500. That's exactly what, And that's with my employee discount. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of people said, are you going to do it? I mean, granted, it's it's a great vehicle, but it's a 2007 with 271,000 miles on it. So is it worth more than $1,500? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah? Especially in today's market. Yeah. I could probably yeah. sell it for twelve grand if, you know, all things were... Oh, right. Well, in that case, it's worth doing, isn't it? Isn't well, $1,500 is still a lot less than a, a car payment for something brand it, exactly, new. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. and even if I wanted to get something brand new, there's no inventory right now. Yeah. So, yeah. it's Is it worth it? Yes. But more importantly, I kind of have to. No, yeah. look, I don't have to. I could live without the radio. The last yeah. two days of work, I'm, I've got a Sony Bluetooth speaker that yeah. I stick on the dash and you know, or you know, down underneath the radio and, and listen to my audio books and music that way. Less than ideal, but it works. But that's <laughs> I, I can't live that way. <laughs> I can't lock the car. I can't so, remote yeah. lock the car. Yeah. So, so here's the question. This was a fault that was caused by the subwoofer. And I've well, got to be the, the I've wiring got going the wire, to it. Yeah, but it, it, I, when I say it's caused by the subwoofer, it was caused by the presence of the subwoofer. Yeah. And I've got to be honest, from what you just described about how the subwoofer is wired in, to me that sounds kind of sketchy. No, that's how yeah. the most of them are wired in. Yeah, I know, but it, it doesn't sound, just from an engineering point of view, it doesn't sound to me like a great solution. Yeah. So are you well, going have to have Well, sub- you have to have a lot of power going to a subwoofer. I, because no, it's driving an amplifier, which is powering the subwoofer. But as you've just found out, the failure mode of that, the wiring in that subwoofer um, had, can affect the directly the wiring harness of the car. I mean, yeah, but you could happen- say that about anything, though. Yeah, but what would happen if you'd been driving the car and that, that had happened? It probably did happen while I was driving, because that's well, when it started acting goofy. Yeah. But what, my question is, are you going to have the subwoofer removed? No. No. 
Okay. No, the guy who did my subwoofer used a really cheap, super thin wire to make his job easier. And you don't see the subwoofer wire when you're in it. Yeah. It's 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 underneath. So I didn't realize he had used such a cheap wire. Had I known, I probably, um, quite honestly, not have used that wire. Because that yeah. I, I would have recognized, dude, that's way too thin. You, you need a like a 12-gauge wire or something, not yeah. a 24-gauge wire, which is paper thin. So, of course, that failed. Now, I would have thought that if it failed, it probably would have just broke and the subwoofer would not have turned on at all. Yeah. Because by default, if that wire is not there, the po- it, it won't take any power. It's like, well, no, I don't have the circuit to say turn it on or off, so I'm going to be on the safe side and not turn it on at all. Yeah. Rather than, oh, I'm just going to leave power on 24-7 and kill your battery. So but it's, that's, a, that's it's a sophisticated, I mean about, easy circuit. But that's what I mean about, I don't think, that's why I think that solution is not great. Well, there is no other solution if you're going to put a subwoofer in the car. I must have a subwoofer. You must? I must. I'm an audiophile. Okay. Yeah. If it's my vehicle and I'm listening to music, I want it to sound right. And when you get okay. shitty bass, I, I can't do it. To, to be fair, my car has a subwoofer in it, though it's factory fit. It's not. Yeah. Uh, well, if this had a factory subwoofer, I wouldn't have had to go on this route. But yeah. Anyways, that's Anyways. that's my um, update. Uh, I, right now, I don't know if they've um, found the wiring harness, whether they can still order it from Toyota or they're going to have to go to a different source. Uh, this was on Thursday. I was off Friday. I worked yesterday, but the people that were working on it were not there s- Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I'm off Monday, so I won't find out anything until Tuesday. Yeah, you know what? It always blows. Any Anytime, if you've got a vehicle you really like um, and you're interested in, in keeping everything working and all of that, it always blows when something like this happens. Yeah. Funnily enough, you know, you know, I bought, um, it was new to me, it was about six months old, uh, a new car um, a few months back. Um, it's already got a dent in the side. Yep. From somebody. somebody well, that means it's yours now. Yeah, but so, that means somebody opened a door into it or yep. kicked a football off it or something like that. You know, um, and that's annoying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On a new car. No question. That yeah. ticks you off. You're like, God damn it, it. Does you know? And well, what can um, you do? I mean, well, the annoying thing is, I went, I, I got a quote from one of those paintless dent people. You know, the people who kind of sure. massage the dents yep. out and that sort of thing. And he said, well, I can probably fix it 95%. And I went, yeah, the problem with that is that I don't, <laughs> when you say that, there's no way of me visualizing what it's going to look like afterwards. He said, oh, well, you know, he, he there was this thing about it, it was on the curve and, and you know. Yeah, it's on a body if, line. Yeah, if he's not careful, he might crack the paint and then the whole door needs repainting and all of that. And that's what he's concerned about. And don't get me wrong, I understand that this guy's a professional. If he says he can't get it 100%, then he knows what he's doing. My yep. problem is, you know, he wants me to spend 120, 130 quid on something that I might still be able to see it afterwards. And and it's very difficult for me to decide whether that's good value or not. Because it's not the world's biggest dent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um so I, I, you know, I, I kind of said to him, I said, oh, you know, I really wish you could have just said either. Yes, I can do it. No, I can't. I said, now I'm in a really difficult position. It's like, do I chance it and then find I'm not happy with the fix? So I'm still mulling it over. I'd get it fixed. I, I probably will. 
I probably will. But uh, when he says ninety-five percent, that means it's probably going to be like a little dimple right at the body line. This is what he said. He said it's going to be. He said ninety-five percent. He said when I say that, it means that you'll know it's there because you knew it was there already. But, but anybody uh, else coming nobody else won't see wouldn't it. Spot it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's probably then good value because when you resell the car. Well, this is it. You know, it's at the moment it's on PCP, so ultimately I might be giving it back, and I don't want to get charged again for this damage. So, right, yeah. So, uh, you remember in the last tech fan that we did, I talked about having these two new PC laptops. Both of them were for foldable screens, um, and that I was very pleased with both of them so far. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and when a man with two PC laptops out of the blue—I mean, what more does he need? Well, now I have four. <laughs> there you go. Actually, I, I gave the uh, Lenovo to my daughter. Right. To, well, to one of my daughters. I've got three, but the uh, second oldest, Brittany. Three Lenovos or three daughters or both? Three daughters. Right. So I gave her the Lenovo because I kind of like the HP with the foldable screen better than the Lenovo. Right. Um, even though I like the processor better. In the, in the Lenovo. Yeah. Um, but it came down to keyboard and trackpad, and I like both of those better in the HP. And for what I'm going to do with it, those two things are more important yep. than processor. Yep. So, like I said, now I have four, but so, I gave one away. So now I'm down to three PC laptops. So, yeah, but, but you had two. So where did the other two come from? So, they? same source. Um, yeah. Both of these are more traditional laptops. They're not foldable screen laptops. Uh -huh. uh, the first, which so far I'm very impressed with, is an Acer Swift 3 thin and light laptop. It's got a 14-inch full HD ISP 100% uh, RGB display, AMD Razer 7. So it's the same process as the 5700U uh, octo-core, octo, um, that the one that I gave to Brittany had. It's got eight gigs of yeah. RAM, so half the RAM. But yeah, but no, for, most people don't need more than eight gig. Right. It's got a 512 um, SSD in it. And it's got a really, and I, I got to say, this is probably the nicest keyboard I've used outside of a MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. And it is backlit, which I really like. Yeah. Um, Cost $750 on, uh, on Amazon. Yeah, I've heard these uh, Acer Swifts are really well regarded. I, so, I like it so far. It's got the fingerprint reader. Um, yeah. oh, I, it's not it, a touchscreen, and, and i got to be honest, though. I really like the touchscreen on the HP. I really do. Once you start using a, a touchscreen laptop, you kind of want another touchscreen laptop. Yeah, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> so yeah. that's one of them. Yeah. Um, just, and, and I just, just got it. I just want to make an aside there. You mentioned the fingerprint reader. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to make a recommendation to all of our listeners at the moment. If you have a PC laptop, yeah, go on Amazon for about twenty bucks. You can buy a little USB fingerprint reader. Buy one. It will change your life. Yeah, you just put yeah, your finger it, there. But the pro but don't ever use the fingerprint reader exclusively. Still yeah. give it a four-digit pin. No, I, with Windows 10, you have to. It won't let you set that up on its own. It will also okay. tell you you've got to set up a pin code. I would set up an eight-digit pin code rather than a four. Um, 
But the thing is, is that, yeah, it's just, it, it just makes using the computer so, so much easier when you've got a fingerprint reader to unlock it yeah. rather than constantly typing in a pin or a password. Um, yeah. I know a lot of laptops now will do the kind of the camera face recognition thing. That's great if you have it. But you know what, what's great about a fingerprint reader is even if you've got a mask on or, um, you know, something like that, or you're not standing in front of it, you can still unlock the laptop with a finger. Um, and with a USB port means that anybody can do it. I have, yep. I actually have two on mine because my work laptop has an embedded one, but I keep my laptop in, um, in a stand. It's in a clamshell closed position, so I can't use the either the camera or the fingerprint reader. So I just have a third-party USB one plugged into my monitor, um, and I can just touch that any time I want to log on, and it's just... Highly recommended. So all three of those laptops I would consider um, prosumer. Yeah. You know, they're not the highest end laptops. It's not like a gaming razor or something. But I think for uh, someone looking for a PC laptop, all three of these represent really good value. What's the battery and really life good on, performance. What's the battery life on the Acer? I haven't tested that part yet. Um, okay. It's supposed to be 12 hours, but... You know, you know, I, I don't yeah. really trust manufacturers say so. Um, yeah. So those are, but I kind of, another one popped up while the Acer was, you know, already ordered. And so I thought, you know what? I've already got the two, the three high-end ones, even though I've, I've given one away. So I've got two high-end-ish laptops. What about the low-end? So... They offered me a Link Plus, L-I-N-C-P-L-U-S, Link Plus, 14-inch laptop, Intel Celeron. It's the N3350, which isn't a great chip. Only has 4 gigs of RAM. It's got 64 eMMC storage. Yeah, which, which is slow, slow which is slow, storage. Upgradable yeah. to 500. And it's got Windows 10S, which is kind of locked down. Um, and it says full HD mini metal PC runs for two eighty nine. Is that the P three? Uh, the what? The laptop is that? Is it Link Plus P three? It doesn't say. It just says. Uh, I, th- I think it might be. Yeah. Uh, well, they they do apparently they do a P two or a P three. So I'm not sure. Yeah, which one this of these is probably is. the P three then. Um, yeah. The problem with these cheap laptops, if it's a no-name brand, is you won't find reviews for them on the mainstream sites. You only find them on the weirdo sites. Yeah. So you uh, and then they're sometimes not as. Well, I've never heard of Link Plus. No, I haven't. Yeah. And uh, just okay. taking it out of the and, and setting it up. That's all I've really done with it. I spent maybe fifteen minutes with it. It was late. I had to go to bed. It was the night before I was taking my Sequoia in to find out what the problems is, so I was yeah. kind of distracted. But my initial impressions were pretty shitty. Um, the trackpad is maybe one of the worst I've ever used. Yeah, it literally felt like it was sticking at points. Mm-hmm. Um, way too much flex in the. Was that here or there? That was you. Cat's getting into something somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it just it feels cheap. Well, that's um, it, the keyboard it is. typing on the keyboard is really bad. Yeah, um, it looks like a good laptop when you look at it on Amazon, but it is not. The screen is dim and not really washed out, but compared to the other three, 
it just doesn't compare. It doesn't seem to get bright enough. I'm, I keep hmm. wanting to turn up the brightness and it's maxed out. I would say though, because it is Windows, so you think, well, you know, use a Windows laptop for less than three hundred bucks. If you're going to spend that kind of money, just get a Chromebook. Because I think a Chromebook would be better than this is. Well, okay, so a, I'm going to play a Chromebook at that price point. Yeah, I'm going to play way. devil's. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I know Chromebooks pretty well. I have. I still have a Chromebook here that I use on occasion. The problem with Chromebooks is they're great until you. It's it's like using an iPad. It's great until you find you want to do something that you can't do because it's a Chromebook or an iPad. Yeah, uh, a lot of such people, as. Well, a lot of people buy these buy these computers for school, yeah, and then they find, and you can get web versions of Word, Excel, PowerPoint, all of the Office stuff. You can get Outlook on there. You can do the Google Docs thing uh, on any of these computers. But then they find they need to run a local program that only runs on Windows, and they and they can't run it because the Chromebook won't do that. Mm-hmm. And the, the difficulty with that is that you then end up in these really obscure, highly technical workarounds to try and make something work that it's not designed to do. A lot of people with Chromebooks will now, if you read on the online about that, they'll just go, well, you, your Chromebooks run Linux. You can just run uh, run a, a Linux instance and do what you need to do in there. But that's really kind of hard and yep. technical. Or you can run the Android app, but the Android app might have limitations or doesn't work properly on a Chromebook. So sometimes even though you are getting a crappier computer, if you need Windows, you need Windows. And if you only have yep. $300, the, the only thing I would say is as, as terrible as I'm sure a, th- a 289 Windows laptop is, it still blows my mind that you can get a full Windows laptop for that sort of money. Because when you and I started in computing, yeah, laptops were thousands of dollars. And even when I first got into the Mac, you were looking well over $1,000. It was only when the um, the netbooks came out that all of a sudden the price of laptops dropped to a, an affordable level for many people. Yeah, And sometimes you want a new machine with a warranty that runs Windows. And sometimes if, if you've only got the – if this is all you can afford, then this is all you can afford. Yeah, but um, here's the thing, David. If I'm going to yeah. spend this kind of money – I'm probably yep. not so worried about a warranty. Uh, well, um, I, I would I would seriously yeah. look if instead of this, I would look at a a, a Surface Pro three or four, I, look, right I, around the same money yeah, a used one on eBay. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Uh, if I was in that position, that's exactly what I would do. I would buy a premium machine that was used, yeah, and try and find a good one for that money. But the difficulty is, is that some people, you and I, could do that easily. We know what we're buying. We know what things to look for. We, you know, we're pretty savvy buyers on eBay and, and uh, Amazon and all these other places. We kind of know what we're doing. A lot of people don't. And I'm thinking about somebody who's, you know, they finished high school. They're going to go to community college. Yeah. And they need a laptop to do that because the college says you need to have a Windows laptop. And they, they don't have a lot of money. And these machines, terrible as they are, are lifesavers for people like that. And that is somebody who wants a warranty. Because, you know, if you buy a used machine off uh, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or eBay or something like that, and after uh, six weeks it breaks and or something fails in it, then you've lost that money. You've lost that $300. Yeah. 
Yep. And a lot of people, a lot of people can't afford that. So I, th- I'm, I, while I agree completely with everything you've said about this machine, yeah, I am delighted that they exist and that they are an option for people. We'll, we'll um, see after but, I've used it for no. a little while to see if the little light stays there. I mean, I will say it looks like it's really easy to uh, upgrade the SSD. It's it's basically two screws on the back and it's right there. Well, that's great because that's one of the real mm-hmm. one of the sixty four gigs just as yeah. nothing. No, and not only that, it's eMMC, and that really will hamper performance. The fact that you can put a full SSD in there as an upgrade is, I think, is is, is excellent because putting a fast SSD in a computer can really transform its performance. Right, it's but not, that it's not going card, to do anything. you get a fast SSD, and that's going to cost you another 100 bucks there. Well, and, and yeah, it is, but at least... But you're still at, you, at half the price of one of these other laptops that I have. Yeah, but you, you're still... Yeah, that's right, but you, you've still got somewhere to go. And and the thing is, is that if you if you have if you have access to an external monitor, uh, and you can put a faster SSD in that, then you can extend the life of that machine without spending a lot of money. And also, yep. you can you can start to mitigate perhaps some of its failings because obviously, if the screen is not great, at least when you're using it back in the dorm or back at home, you can yep. have it on a monitor. Um, and if you can it's put the got, SSD um, in there, then then you can you can get better performance. It's got a card slot. It's got a USB two port. Audio three and a half, uh, uh, DCN, USB three port, a mini HDMI, and a USB C port. So I would give it credit. I mean, it's got more ports than the highest end MacBook Pro does. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that's not saying a lot. I agree, yeah. but still. No, um, yeah, but it's got it some storage as well. Yes, it, so it's it's got some things working for it, but. It's still that Celeron processor, which at this point in time is just, it's so outdated. I mean. Well, it depends. So here's the thing. It depends on what what Celeron it is, to be honest. I mean, Intel's naming for chips is so is such a mess now. You actually have to look at that N35 whatever to figure out what chip N3350 it is. N3350 processor, 1.1 gigahertz base frequency up to 2.4 gigahertz right. burst, which is... Yeah. So, yeah, it's really crappy processor. I know, I know from some of the stuff I've read that some of the Celerons are terrible and, and, and you know, ancient in terms of what they are, and some of them aren't. So well, uh, Let me look at this one up. Intel Celeron N3350. Let's see what pops up on this one uh, so this is this is an apollo like which is is not you know yeah that's it's not as bad as a celeron from about Dual five core. years ago but it's pretty it is pretty basic yes yeah. this is uh provides a very basic performance it's suitable only for non-demanding routine computing computing tasks yeah but again what's the market for this if it's somebody who's going to do some email checking and uh maybe a little bit of office and run the occasional demanding windows program that's probably okay the key yeah, thing here is the, win- the key thing here versus the chromebook is that windows compatibility that's um, what it is right there and and that you know look that may go away in time there's talk of microsoft this year launching a kind of a cloud pc service where you can pay you know, five ten dollars a month, maybe something like that, and get access to a Windows PC that runs in a, in um, Microsoft Azure. So you just connect to it over a browser. Now, at that point, you know these machines then die because you might you'd be better off doing that and having the Chromebook than having one of these. But at the moment, why you need local if you need local Windows compatibility, then you know this is an option. And basic as it is, 
uh, and it is let's let's be honest it is it is very it's basic. very basic yeah yeah but having said that it is better than uh, i'm just looking at some specs here it's better than atoms from a, from a couple of years ago you really ideally if you want the seller on you want something in the in the four thousand range, the N four thousand rather than the N three 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 thousand ranges, but you know, um, as I say, I still think there's a I market. Still, I still prefer the AMD Ryzen. Yeah, Ryzen yeah. over the. Uh, but, I, I but, think they're better uh, chips. They are, but AMD is not really serving the very bottom end of the market at the moment, and I, I'm sure these these sorts of chips is what's keeping Intel afloat right now. Well, it's got to be. Yeah. You know, um, but as you I know, say, at work I see people using computers not as often as I have in the past. But if I see one, it's always one of two computers. It is a Surface Pro, or it is a either MacBook Pro or MacBook Air. I see mm-hmm. a lot of Airs, and I think a lot of people for their laptops are going Mac now. Yeah. And I think that's hurting Intel big and and you know it is because Intel's all their commercials now are attacking Apple. Yeah. Which is kind of sad when you want you're like, really guys, that's this is you're gonna attack your competition. Yeah, that's it's it's never a good strategy. It's it's no. better if your pro it, it, it suggests your products cannot speak for themselves. Well, um, and then it, <laughs> here's the thing. If you're already a Mac user, their commercials aren't going to sway you to switch to a PC. Yeah. And if you're in a PC, it didn't matter anyways. So who who are they advertising this towards? Well, I th- I think they are worried about people hearing how great the M1 is uh, and saying, we, we want to switch to a Mac from a PC. And here's you know, what I- Intel doesn't seem to get is, in advertising, what usually gets people is a positive note, not attacking the other. Yeah. And yeah. you know this is amateurish on their end. Well, I think I think they're desperate to be honest. I think their business oh, has agree. taken a massive hit. I think COVID has really affected them. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of their manufacturing, they've got a huge manufacturing problem because their process, uh, they own all their own foundries, and their process development has stalled. They've yep. not been able to get. Um, you know, the, one of the things with the M1 is it's a five nanometer chip and. When you go to five, go the the smaller your um, your die process goes to five nanometers or below, then the more power efficient the chips are, that and normally the faster they are. So the problem is Intel is falling behind in part because they can't manufacture chips as efficiently as TSMC and other people can, and that they've got to fix that problem. And that's not an advertising problem; that's a pure engineering problem. And they've been stuck; they can't do. They can't do five nanometer at volume, and they've been trying to do it for about three years. So they've got a real issue, uh, an existential issue, because at the moment they're running the risk of of falling, of looking like they're falling behind. Not the just to the M1, but to Ryzen as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's another thing: is it's given AMD an opportunity to really come up with a a high end chips in the chipset that outperforms yeah. Intel, and yep. also they can offer to the market at less money than Intel charges. Correct, uh, and that. 
Intel's strategy at the moment, all these high-end chips they're selling now are all starting to become eight-core chips because they're, they're backing off the performance they're not getting from their processes by putting more cores in. But that, that's a non-linear strategy, and it's, it's, ultimately it's going to affect them in terms of power and cooling. Yeah, well, it already is. exactly is. what you need in a laptop. Is yep. You need um, low power uh, and, and a great thermal efficiency. So they, get, they really are up against it. And, um, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm sure they'll get there eventually. But I think the advertising just is, is just a response to the fact they know their backs are against the wall. Uh, and they're trying to, trying to prevent the narrative of people knowing that their backs are against the wall. Yeah. Um, you know. I don't think it's going to work out well for them. No, I don't think I don't think so either. And I think, you know, they've 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 really they followed a BMW strategy of pricing themselves up at the high end of the market and making big profits and margins on those. And unfortunately now they've been technically left behind in that space. Yeah. Because in because uh, Apple is there, uh, other manufacturers are there, and AMD is going there. Uh, and um Intel does not have products that compete well. Uh, so all of a sudden, and COVID. like a bit of a lemon. Uh, well, COVID, yeah, COVID's a double-edged sword because obviously it's it's bumped up the demand for computers because all of a sudden people needed more la- better laptops. Well, um, yes and no. It's not just computers, though. It's their chip business is what's yeah, the problem. That's it's right. one of the big problems that everybody is having right now is there's just such a shortage of chips, and Intel can't step in. And help the automotive industry and the electronic industry. And I'm not even talking about computers yet. So yeah. Intel's got a big problem right now. I think that um, what's going to come out of this shortage is a, a huge shift in how many companies are producing uh, chips. And I think you're going to see some really um, kind of surprising upstarts that are going to come in and start filling this void. Yeah. And that's going to also chip away, no pun intended, but kind of um, Intel's dominance in, in computer chips. And So uh, you probably heard that um, Microsoft is expected next week to launch a new version of Windows. Yeah. Windows 11. Windows 11. Yeah. Yeah. Which Windows 10 <clears throat> with a new interface on it. It's not really Windows 11. And the fact that they've gone down that route of saying we need to rebrand Windows... Yeah, to me, very much smacks of PC manufacturers uh, and perhaps the people who put the processes in those PCs coming to Microsoft and say, you know what, a new version of Windows would really juice this market because very often people say, oh, new version, I must need a new computer. Um, and I wonder what the discussions have been between Intel and Microsoft over that because it was, it was very, very surprising when all of a sudden it became we became aware that Windows 11 was coming because well, not only that it was coming there's, there's been leaks a, yeah. a, a version got leaked out there I've already seen a video with people yeah. playing with it uh, and it does look is, clean I will say that but it's still yeah, not it a does Mac. in fact it looks very Mac like which I find uh, yeah. highly amusing uh, well that's but, all that's I don't know why I mean that's what Windows has been doing since day one was yeah aping yeah. what apple was doing they started going down their own path but here they are coming right back to well, well what's they, apple doing they went down their own path and their own users rejected it i mean windows 8 was very very different and nobody yeah. liked it and so windows yeah. 10 they well, i would back. say probably windows vistas is when they really started making that change over and yeah that well that, they had windows vista and windows 7 with all the glass transparent stuff and then right. windows 8 
tried to change actually the whole way the operating system looked and right. works. Uh, Windows 10 was a, a, a retrench. But the thing is, Windows 10 has been, you know, they've been on this kind of Windows as a service model. I think a lot of people were expecting them to just keep Windows 10 and it was always just going to be changing. But, but you know, there would be no radical, like, this is a Windows 11. W- Windows it, 10 is is a nice, solid operating system. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, I could use I, I could use Windows 10 as my main machine all day long if I had to. Yeah, same but you notice me. I said had to, because yeah. if I have a choice, I'm still going to use the Mac. Yeah, yeah. No, I I'm I'm the same. I'm in the same place. But uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. But I do wonder whether Intel said to Microsoft, you know what, new version of Windows would really help us sell some processors. And that's the thing. Windows and Microsoft and Intel are still very much in bed together and here's apple pretty much divorcing the rest of the pc industry you know yeah. we're going to do our own software we're going to do our own hardware we're going to fight you in court with our app store which by the way has i don't think there's been a resolution to that yet is there no i i think the after the case uh, after all the um uh, the actual Arguing, court case yeah. itself i think the judge the judge said they were going to um think about everything and and produce a judgment later so uh i suspect it'll be the end of summer before we hear on that one yeah i'm curious about that because uh i don't want i want apple to win that case and the reason is i don't want to start down the path i don't want to see apple's products start down the path where they have to um allow anything to be installed on their phone that's yeah well well as i said i've just spent a couple of weeks in android world where that can happen yeah um and you know the, there are some conveniences with that, but the the uh, Apple's argument that they're keeping their users safe, I have some sympathy with. They're probably not keeping their users as safe as they say they are. Um, and there's a whole separate argument about whether the amount they charge is justified nowadays. Yeah. Um, but I, I I think in general the concept of the of the Apple stores I I prefer better than the Google ones. I you know? I agree with you there, and I. And I'm with you when it comes to the percentage that they give to their partners. This, And look, this is the same pay structure that everybody has been on until just recently because of this lawsuit. All of a sudden, oh, well, we're going down to a 85-15 split. Uh, shocker. Um, but they're not doing that with Xbox, Nintendo, or Sony's game stores. It's still 70-30. Yeah. Um, and the whole argument of, well, yeah, but they don't make money on hardware. Well, just because they have a bad business plan doesn't mean, you know, that the, the split is still fair. That's um, that's exactly it. Yeah, I, I, um, I've got to be honest. I, I'm kind of, I'm starting to get annoyed with some of the rhetoric coming out of uh, not just the courts in the U.S., but also the politicians in the U.S., which is the idea that Apple is a monopoly of itself because um, only Apple people can can only apple can put stuff on apple devices i I really i really don't agree with that argument because you know you could you can then you could i mean where does that stop that means that um any supermarket chain is its is its own is its own uh monopoly because they only sell their own products in there and products they choose to sell from other places and it's like, yeah, but that the whole reason that there's, there's fair competition there is because you don't exactly. have to go to that supermarket. You can go to another supermarket. Right. And as I demonstrated to myself a couple of weeks ago, I could go to Android if I wanted to. Yep. 
yeah and yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't kill me there is no know? monopoly when it comes to apple products there's not no. you know if they had a, a smartphone like the iphone and nobody else made a smartphone like that they just couldn't do it you might be able to make that argument but even then it not really yeah. but yeah i i want apple to prevail simply because um I understand why some people don't like the walled garden, but good luck with all the viruses and malware and all that crap. Have fun. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and keeping your privacy private. I know. And and yet, again, perhaps Apple overemphasizes the privacy, and there is there is a legitimate thing to say, well, not all of their solutions mean that Apple can't see your data. So perhaps they're overplaying that. But the point is, is what is the alternative? We have no other companies in the industry promoting privacy as a as a feature yeah yeah in yep. fact quite the opposite they don't talk about privacy because they want to steal all your data and do all sorts of things with it that most people when they have the processes laid out to you laid out to them go yeah i don't really want them to do that correct so apple is the only one sitting around saying we're going to put processes in place to try and prevent that from happening um and i think that's perfectly fine and um without that if you turn around and say, well, Apple's not allowed to do that, or, or, or these other cases affect Apple's ability to do that, we're all ultimately going to be in a worse place. Yeah, 100%. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. We uh, really appreciate you guys out there listening. We'd love to get feedback from you. It's real easy to do. Send us an email at the show at techfanpodcast.com. The show at techfanpodcast.com. You can also send us messages on both Facebook and Twitter, just look up TechFan. And of course, we are always posting our content at the mothership, mymac.com, uh, publishing since 1995. That's right, folks. We've been uh, we've been doing this thing for a very long time, coming up on 30 years. Coming up on 30 years. Yeah. That's saying something. Hopefully, I'll still be alive then. Um, <laughs> So with that, we will uh, get out of here. We'll see you next week over on the Geeks Pub where we'll be talking about the new Marvel show, Loki. Uh, hopefully David's watching it. I have been. It's only two episodes yeah. in, but by the time we do this episode next week, um, we'll be at three episodes. And so I'm looking forward to talking to that. There's other cool things going on in the geeky universe to, uh, to discuss, but come back here in two weeks for another tech fan um one of the things we're going to be talking about is right to repair i think this is something that david and i both agree on and um i don't think it's getting enough attention uh, out in the wild because it's kind of an important subject and it's the big tech companies don't want to talk about it yeah so we will so david i will see you in a week see you then